Duty is defined as a task that one is required to perform, a responsibility, a legal responsibility. You are owed a duty by others at all times, whether a sole person or a huge corporation. You are owed a duty to be safe from negligent, careless, intentional acts that cause you serious damage, death, permanent injury, catastrophic loss. Others have caused a breach, a breach of the duty due you and yours. Your only recourse is to pursue a legal claim. It is impossible to turn back time so that the injury and damage did not occur. Monetary compensation is the only alternative, both to compensate you for your loss but also to confirm the conduct of the wrongdoer. Motor vehicle accidents, slip and fall injuries, assault, dangerous products, workplace injuries, animal bites, defamation, these are a portion of the wrongs that are inflicted on you and yours. Upsitnik and Associates can make the difference. Al Upsitnik has litigated, tried, and settled injury claims throughout the United States in his home state of Pennsylvania, but also New York, Maryland, and Alaska, just to name a few. When duty is breached, contact Opsitnik and Associates to make things right. For you, for yours. Contact them toll-free, 1-866-391-3299, or visit them on their Facebook page, Opsitnik and Associates, or their website, OpsitniksLaw.com. See the links in the description below for more information. Hello everybody, Zach back with the Carnival of Randomness, and I'm not alone. Rise here with us again. Hey everybody. And this week we decided we were going to dip our toes into the pool of remembrance. Was that poetic? That wasn't Very. Bad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're going to take a couple episodes, two in fact, this is the first of the two, to look back at what we think is, do you th- would you say a great genera- a great decade or an overlooked decade? Uh, In the 1990s, I should say. It feels like it's more of an overlooked decade, you know? I think it's becoming great as we get further away from it, but it's more overlooked. Yeah, all the stuff that we used to use back in the day is now classified as, what, retro? Yeah, retro, vintage, and, you know, the sort of mockery that the 90s got right after when you were sort of in the very early aughts. You know, and everybody was just sort of chortling at, oh, you know, everything in the 90s was terrible. It seems like some of that's going away. Like the younger generations are adopting or getting really into a lot of 90s stuff. Yeah, that's what that's what I've noticed is that the younger generations, you know, the post-2000s and even further on, because now don't forget mm-hmm. we're 30 years removed from 1990. Yeah. You know, they're starting to look back at the stuff that we grew up with that was commonplace, and they're finding some sort of, I don't know, joy or weird nostalgic connection, maybe to try to understand their parents a little more. Yeah, you know, or just, yeah, because it's fun or whatever. Exactly, and I think what these next, what these two episodes are going to prove is that not everything in the 90s was terrible, but we, we had more, f- we had fun. Well, that was it, you know, and yeah, you know, yeah, not everything was as bad as kind of people have sort of, yeah, joked about I mean, for a long some time. Some of the things were bad, and we're, we're going to look into oh, that. Oh, yeah. But uh, I think for now, though, 
as people who have clicked on this already know what we're going to talk about, let's look at some of the movies, the TV shows, and the music from the 90s. Arts. What's that? The arts. Exactly, the arts. So where do you want to start? Movies, TV, or music? Let's start with the movies. All right, well, let's start with movies. Now, when we were t- doing our notes, we did. you started doing just the box-off grossing movies. Yeah, you know. And then so I, the I chimed in books, later with the Best Picture Oscar winners. Yes, uh, so we'll look at both. Exactly, so we can look at both, kind of compare. So what was the... What was the top grossing movie in 90? The premiere year of this decade to come. Ghost, the classic movie with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. See, really, I th- what's weird to me is, one, I forgot it was that old, and two, I didn't... Actually, I should have realized it was the highest grossing movie because that, you know, the uh, pottery scene has been, <laughs> you know, played on and sampled and recreated countless times in the past 31 years. But I thought this would be kind of a fun one to do because I don't think a lot of people do realize how many of these classic movies were made in the 90s. I think people thought that they're either older, 80s, or maybe even before that, or younger. Yeah, it's almost like the the 90s is like the forgotten cesspool of movies. And, you know, some of them they'll they'll know when they get lumped in, like when we start getting into the best pictures. Yeah, you know, not everyone was good, but again, it sort of goes back to that feeling that, you know, people have where nothing good could really come in the 90s, so how could it have all these great movies or music bands or whatever? Right, and the thing is, as we're going to talk about in a later episode, technology jumped and that helped a lot in the movies, but we'll make the correlation later. All right, so nice. So Ghost, and now, mind you, Ghost was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. As was Awakenings, which I've never seen. I haven't seen that one. Uh, The Godfather Part 3, which the only reason I own it is because it came in the box set. Yeah, I was going to say, totally undeserved that nomination. Uh, And the other nominee was Goodfellas. That should have won. And yeah, and the winner, pausing to let the audience guess, Dances with Wolves. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, ladies and gentlemen, who a man who had his fingerprints all throughout this decade in many, many ways. Yes. Alright, so I don't know. Did you ever see Dances with Wolves? Years ago. It's it's I mean it's a meme now, right? Yeah, and honestly for me it's it falls under that category of kind of forgettable. Yeah. Like it wasn't <laughs> a terrible movie, but to me it wasn't a great movie. No, it's just another one where a better movie should have won, and that should have been Goodfellas. Right. All right. Well, let's go back. Grossing highest in 1991. And actually, I know I see on your notes you put a couple extras in there. So 91 we're talking here. Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Which, mind you, I think might be one of my all-time favorite science fiction movies. Yeah. I mean, it that was a one. great movie. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that's classic Arnie right there. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that one, no sort of, you know, no anger there for that one being a big box office. Nope, um, not at all. But also that same year... Silence of the Lambs, again. I feel like a lot of people would probably, if you asked them... They would have thought, the yeah, a lot, some people would probably think late 70s. 
Yeah, even earlier, but nope. 1991. Exactly. And what number grossing was it? Uh, fourth. Okay, well, four, but which is kind of ironic because now we're starting to really see the uh, the difference between the audience and the Academy. That was the fourth highest grossing movie of the year, but it won Best Picture. Yeah, well, I think part of, well, what was, if you know of hand, was T2 an R-rated movie? Because Silence of the Lambs was. Yes, T2 was R-rated. Ah, interesting, because obviously that can, that immediately closes off a huge amount of box office. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I think, um, I think probably because it was established, we'd seen the Terminator in the 80s, we'd seen, we knew who Arnold was because of his movies. Yeah. And he had established himself as pretty much an automatic box office draw. Well, exactly. And for good reason. Damn right. I love it. But I mean, look at that. We're already only three movies in, and, you know, these are classic movies now. Ghost, Yeah, and here's the the thing. Silence of the Lambs also beat out uh, Beauty and the Beast, which was, I think, the Disney animated one? Yeah, that would have been at that point. In 91, Bugsy, which I've never seen. No, but I've heard it's good. Yeah, JFK, which I have seen, mm. and it kind of falls under that kind of forgettable category for me. Yeah. But on a side note, that was the movie that relaunched John Candy's career, so we have that to thank for that. Nah, And the other one go. it beat out was The Prince of Tides, which I've never seen either. Nope, never seen that one. But I mean, yeah, we're two years and a couple, just a couple throwaway references to movies and we've you know come across some big names yep so let's go to number to number two 1992 yeah batman returns so that one was the one where they brought in the penguin by danny oh yeah danny devito and wasn't it michelle pfeiffer as catwoman yeah yeah and obviously michael keaton playing batman once again yep so that was the sequel which was you know, darker but good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and it didn't, it didn't turn into the cartoony that it became later. No, because that decade. was still Tim Burton. He did the first couple. Yeah, and he always had that kind of dark and twisted sense. And obviously, because it is a um, comic movie back then, mm-hmm. obviously it didn't get nominated for Best Picture. No, this was long before the MCU. Yes. Uh, So in 92, we had nominated The Crying Game, Mm. which was a pretty intense movie. Yeah. A Few Good Men. That was good. That was a good movie. I think we Mm. kind of... Did we mention it in the War Movies one? I think we may have, yeah. In any event, Howard's End, which I've never seen. And then sit. What? And then, now, say the last one. Yeah, Scent of a Woman. Yes! Go ahead and do it. It's your turn. hoo Which is a... Actually, it's a really good movie. Yes. Ah, you finally admit it. I never denied it. I just never you... saw it up until recently. Ah, oh, it is a good movie. It is. It's, cl- it's, it's Al being Al, but it's fun. It's sort of... And it made sense. And it actually was kind of heartwarming. It was a lesson learned. You know, it's just, it's sort of one of those fluff, you know, 90s movies. You're probably not going to sort of think about it, you know, days or weeks later, but it's good. Yeah. and the But the winner, the one that beat mm. out all that, Unforgiven. Well, of course. I Clint. mean, you know, it, what you... it is what it is. You know, what are you going to yeah, do what... against Unforgiven? 
<laughs> exactly. What are you going to do? It's Clint Eastwood. Exactly. And Clint Eastwood doing what he does best. And honestly, I have to admit, one it's like one of the five kind of westerny movies I'll actually watch. I'm not a big fan of that genre. Yeah, well, there you go. Here, I'm going to come out and say it. I've never seen a John Wayne movie. Mm, neither have I. And I've really only seen like two or three Clint Eastwood movies. <laughs> All right, well, let's move up to 93. Big year for movies, but let's see why. The birth of a franchise, Jurassic Park. Exactly, and this is where the technology thing, the CG, really kicked into high gear. Yeah, well, and also just great practical, I mean, a lot of the Yeah, and a lot more. of really good practical effects, and the fact that I remember vividly going to the theater to see this movie. Mm, my mom took my brother, but she didn't take me, because it would have scared me. Yeah, but, I mean, and even today, you know, you watch some of those old early to mid-90s CG movies, and a lot of them don't hold up. Jurassic Park just still holds up really well. Fantastic. I saw it not too long ago, and yeah, it still looks amazing because they did most of it with with practical effects with moving models. So thankfully, you know, those look good decades later. Yeah, and, and it definitely has, and it it killed at the box office, let's put it that way. Yeah, and well-deserved. Not only because it's, you know, the... the animatronics were great but the performances were great yeah, the I mean, performances were great you, they had you know one of the greatest ever, ever actors you know richard jeff attenborough oh i was gonna say jeff goldblum well jeff goldblum the goldblum as well but yeah. you know exactly. the, the lord sir richard i don't know how many titles he had but it was a lot exactly um but again because it was kind of a sci-fi movie wasn't nominated for Best Picture. That it wasn't nominated is surprising. Given what won, it's not. Given I mean, what that... won, it's not. But given what else is nominated, I'm kind of surprised. You know, other than it was nominated, well, obviously Schindler's List won, and for good reason. I mean... Yes. Again, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're put up against that movie, and you've got nothing. And ironically, that was Spielberg as well. Yeah. How about that? So... He, he hedged his bets. He won good, in the end. He really, it was a good year for Spielberg. Yeah, I mean, the 90s were good for Spielberg. Oh, yeah. Uh, so let's see. Also nominated The Fugitive. That was a good movie, but... It was a good wouldn't... movie, but I don't know best picture. Yeah. But, again, we don't make the rules. In the Name of the Father, which I don't think I've seen. Nope, didn't see. The Piano. I've heard it's really good. My mom really likes it. Yeah, I've one. never seen it either. And The Remains of the Day, which I also have never seen. Never seen, isn't that an Anthony Hopkins one? I think so, yeah. Mm. But, Must be good then. Well, that's true. <laughs> Moving on, 94. <laughs> Alright, 1994, The Lion King. Oh man, that came out in 1994? Yep. Holy and traumatized everybody. Yeah, but it begs the question. Mm. What was Scar's name before he got the Scar? Yeah, exactly. Bob. Yeah, Phil. Yeah, exactly. Some really normal name. Yeah. Steve. Yeah, I am Steve. S- Steve the Lion. Uh, was there anything else of note in 94? There was. Uh, the second best box office grossing movie was Forrest Gump. Well deserved. Yeah, and there's another tie-in. And- now we're seeing the br- the gap actually being bridged because Forrest Gump won Best Picture in 94. 
Yep, and then Speed at number seven, which I love. Classic you know, action Speed movie. Speed is one of those movies. Number one, it's Keanu Reeves. I have nothing but the utmost love and respect for Keanu Reeves. Yep, it's Keanu Reeves. It's Sandra Bullock. It's and Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper just being, you know, having the time it's of his Dennis life. It's Dennis Hopper being Dennis Hopper. And when you have that, you're going to win as an audience. Exactly. So I love that movie. It's sort of, for me, it's up there with Armageddon. Like, if I had turned on a TV <laughs> and was, you know, flicking through whatever and it was on, I would sit and watch. Oh, God, yeah. Except Speed 2, Speed on a Boat. We never talk about that one. No, we don't. Uh, so that Forrest was... Gump obviously won in 94. And again, yeah. rightfully so, because amazing movie, amazing performance by Tom Hanks. I do see that one of your favorite movies was nominated, though. It was, and honestly, I'm not angry that it lost to Forrest Gump. The one to which you refer, The Shawshank Redemption, which I think is a fantastic movie, and one of the few, in my opinion, Stephen King works that really turned into a good movie. Yeah. Um, but anyway, also nominated Four Weddings and a Funeral, which I've never seen. Nope. Pulp Fiction, which was a cool movie. I've heard it is. I saw it years ago. I'm just not a Tarantino fan. Yeah, and Quiz Show. I got nothing. Yeah, I don't even know what that one is. Quiz Show. What is it? I don't know. All right, 95. This was a this was a good year. I mean, th you looking I'm just looking at the nominations like my god, the amount of really good movies that came out. This one, yeah, it sort of feels like, you know, at the midpoint of the decade, there were some good movies, but they weren't... You're starting to see that the box office, the number one spot, it feels like it's starting to go to more crap movies. Yeah, it's starting to migrate to whatever's trendy is going to take the box office. So what took it in 95? Batman Forever, which was the terrible one oh. with Val Kilmer, with Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face. I mean, he Jim did Curry's. a good job as Two-Face. The makeup was terrible. It was very goofy. It was very... This was sort of... It was too cartoony. Yeah, the sort of feeling, I guess, by DC was that the whole Tim Burton thing had been a little dark, and they were trying to sort of go back to the the 60s Batman again, and it just didn't work at all. Yeah, but I mean... I mean it made a ton of money, but it was just... If we look at the Batman cartoon, which was the greatest Batman cartoon, also from the 90s, I believe... It's true. It was dark and gritty and probably one of the best Batman cartoons ever made. It definitely was, but that just seems to be the studio's feeling. But right. it just didn't work. Nobody looks at the Val Kilmer Batman and sort of goes, That was a great Batman. No, they really don't. Um, but if you look at the other box office, at number two was Apollo 13. That should have been number one. Right, and that movie was also nominated for Best Picture because it was yeah. fantastic. Uh, Toy Story? I mean amazing movie and launched a multi-billion dollar franchise. Exactly. And the first one, you know, I know it's been a long time for most people, but the first one really was great. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was something so unheard of and so mm -hmm. well done and so well voice cast that it captured everybody. And then Goldeneye, the Pierce Brosnan James Bond. Hmm. Which I think was the best of what he did. I, I agree. I think it was the best one of what he did. And I enjoyed Goldeneye. You know, but that was way back at number nine. Yeah. You know, so but yeah, like, so you sort of feel like Apollo 13 probably should have been number one, but, you know, yeah. what are you going to do? But, uh... What, well, what no, actually... Because it was, it was nominated mm. uh, for Best Picture, 
so was Babe. Pig, you know, the pig. Oh, I, I don't get it. It was a cute movie, but my God, really? A Best Picture? Yeah, Babe was nominated for Best Picture in 1995. Here's a throwback to a couple of years ago. Kevin Costner is back with The Postman. That was so bad. Yeah, it was... I'm sorry. It was too long and not good enough. I and I, I like Waterworld, so I can put up with a lot of yeah, Kevin Costner. Yeah, and Cost- I like Kevin yeah. Costner, but what the, the hell? Post- <laughs> the Postman was just terrible and again you sort of think my god if you think babe didn't deserve it the postman deserved it even less yeah and the final nominee was sense and sensibility no i don't even i mean it's jane austen it's jane austen which which means i kind of tune it out it's just not my thing not my thing but i mean i don't even know which version that one would have been no but they keep remaking them yeah but the yeah they've made it like every other year but the winner in 95 was braveheart it would have been it Braveheart, good movie, but it would have been cool for Apollo 13 to win. I, I think, think it's so. I, I agree, but at the same time, the one thing I liked about Braveheart was, say what you will about Mel Gibson, he's pretty decent with historical-type movies. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't you know? bad, and it opened up a lot of people to a very unknown chapter in history from for most Americans. Yeah, there definitely was that, you know, but it's just Apollo 13 was I know, so but good. Apollo 13 was just a fantastic movie all around. You know, like acting and the special effects and everything. Yeah. Now, 90, all right. 96, and just looking at the nominees, 96 seemed kind of a weak year. Mm. Let's see if the box office figures reflect that. The... the uh, awards didn't nominate any of the good movies that came out in 96. I, 96 well, was kind of... Maybe. All right. What do you got? It was sort of one of the last years where it sort of box office reflected a great movie. Independence Day, the first one. Oh, what a movie. Welcome to Earth. Exactly. And again, the gold bloom. Yep. You know, so that was good. Uh, Twister, which most people may not know. It was the tornado movie. Uh, Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton. Yeah, Bill Paxton. Uh, you were you you were debating if it was Paxton or Pullman, weren't you? My dad. Because Pullman does. was in Independence Day. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Playing the president. Yes, exactly. But yeah, it's Twister, really good movie. Most people just. I mean, it was entertaining. Of... Yeah, hell yeah. Um, uh, Mission Impossible at number three. What was that? Mission Impossible. Never seen any of the Mission Impossible movies. I saw the first one, maybe even the second one, then stopped. But the first one, again, great movie. I mean, that's the thing. It's just a good action movie. Uh, The Rock, of course. Uh, Amazing. When Michael Bay was still great. Yeah, and it wasn't very lens flary. No. But the one thing I liked about um, The Rock, it put Ed Harris, an actor who I hold in very high regard, in a much different role than we're used to seeing him. Yeah, and he was You know, great. he was like kind of the anti-hero. Nope. But, you know, yeah, so the nominees, movie. I mean, nominated in 96, Fargo, which I thought was a really good movie. I'm not mad at that one. Yeah, uh, Jerry Maguire, which, ironically, I've never seen. I've saw it, it's... It's weird because it's obviously a rom-com, so it's directed at women, but it's... You yeah, know, but it's, it's all got the, all this sports reference stuff. Yeah, it's about a football agent. Yeah, I just never really 
Got into it. Secrets and Lies. I don't know what that one is. Oh, and then Shine, with which all I remember is that has Jeffrey Rush in it. And I like Jeffrey Rush, but the winner was The mm. English Patient, which, um... Oh, God, of course it was. Yeah, that was, <laughs> um... It was a thing. Ray Fiennes and, yeah, based on a book. Yeah. All right, let's bump her up to 97. This was a big, big year. 97, the box office, Men in Black, the original one. Which I am surprised is number one, considering what else came out that same year. Oh, uh, the one movie, maybe that would have, what, you think Anaconda would have bumped it off? Yes. Yes, I do. It's got Jennifer John Voight and Jennifer Lopez in it. How bad could it be? Very. <laughs> As someone who has seen it several times. Oh, well, if it's so bad, why have you seen it several times? It was on TV back in the yonder day. You will watch a blank screen. All right, moving exactly. on. What else do you got for that? Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which I made you watch. Yeah, you made me watch it. Good God, was it terrible. It was back then. It still is today. It definitely still is. Uh, poor Mortal Kombat. That killed the the movie franchise for quite a while. Yeah. Now, weirdly, 97 had a lot of good nominees. It did. Well, like, and it had a few other good uh, box office Oh, what else movies. you got in the box office? A Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy which Lee! Most people were more familiar with uh, Dante's Inferno, I believe it was, or Dante's Peak, whatever, the other Volcano movie. Dante's Peak, yeah. You know, but Volcano was, again, it wasn't it's sort bad. Of a, it was different it was from the a, time. It was kind of a fluffy little action movie where Tommy yeah. Lee Jones kind of got to be an old action hero, which was kind of fun for him. Yeah. Uh, and Fifth Element. Uh, I really liked The Fifth Element. That was the one that I would only pick out of the list to maybe have bumped off Men in Black. Yeah. And then Con Air. Yeah. Come on, Nicolas Cage. It's true. It's it's a really goofy movie. Yeah. As all Nicolas Cage movies are. Pretty much, yeah. And I that's why we love them. Exactly. All right, what do you got for nominees? Well, nominated was As Good As It Gets, which was actually a pretty decent movie. I've heard that. Uh, the Full Monty, which was a pretty good movie. Mm. Good Will Hunting, which was a pretty good movie. Ah. And L.A. Confidential. Yeah. Well, here's why I say what I said earlier. The winner was Titanic. Hmm. How did that not gross everything? Well, it was weird because I was looking at it and it started off a little bit slow and then it, you know, it, I think, and then it picked up absolute steam. So it sort of plowed through. That's true. Like... I mean, it, it really has taken off as time has gone on, probably because of the best picture. And really, I you would know, say, really elevated James Cameron to an even higher level. Well, it definitely did. But so, like, even though it came out in, I believe, 97, it it became the number one box office in 98. Right. So that that's the power that movie had. A year after its release, it's still the top box office draw. Yeah, it just didn't go away. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the thing and I remember own. going to I remember going to see it in high school. Yep, I saw it with a bunch of friends. <laughs> uh number 2 for box office was Armageddon, classic. Oh, love Armageddon. The last really good Michael Bay movie. Yeah, 
you don't know if you don't like Armageddon, shame on you. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Great movie. Yep, Deep Impact. A movie. It was funny because, again, you sort of have the volcano Dante's Peak thing. You have Armageddon where they do destroy the meteor, and then you have Deep Impact where the meteor hits Earth. Hey, spoiler alert, huh? Yeah, exactly. For these, you know, whatever, 32-year-old movies. 23 years later. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, and now it was a weird, it was a very weird nomination year. Hmm. Because you got the two no- first two nominations were Elizabeth and Life is Beautiful. Elizabeth didn't deserve it, really. Well, I didn't see it, but... And then the other two were Saving Private Ryan and The Thin Red Line. Both of which deserved it. Yeah, but the winner was Shakespeare in Love. Of course it was, that movie, which... I think that was kind of one of the points where people really started to side-eye award shows. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, like, you might not agree with Braveheart, but it's still a decent movie. You right, might not it's, agree. Like, it's like I've said, um, uh, what won a couple years ago, the Guillermo del Toro movie? Oh, The Shape of Water. The Shape of Water. I watched that. Mm. And while I don't consider it the best picture of the year, I can see why people did. Yeah, but it's then one it of felt those. like... It was pretty well done. You know, then like 98 hits, and it was just like a meteor through the earth that award year, you know, yeah. you have, you have saving private Ryan, you have the thin red line, you know, it's like having Schindler's list and then, you know, a bug's life wins. It's sort of like, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like, what? You know, it was Shakespeare in love was just such a terrible movie. Gwyneth Paltrow cannot act. I think she was doing pretty much <gasps> a terrible British accent. What? An American actress doing a terrible British accent? That's never happened. You shut your mouth. Yeah, basically Winona Ryder level. Oof. You know, and for some reason, people just went gaga. I don't understand it. You know, uh, Judy Dench was in it for, I think, like 30 seconds, so that immediately gave it a... a oh, yeah, I mean, Judy Im- Dench just even saying that she walked by the, the, uh, the room where they were writing the script automatically bumps it up five cool points. Basically, yes. You know, because Dame Judi Dench is pretty much amazing. She is, but it sort of felt like, you know, I think they even sort of advertised her as being in it. Oh, guaranteed, they do that all the time. When you get a big-name actor, you put them prominent on the poster, and then even if they're only in a three-hour movie for two minutes, it doesn't matter. Exactly, so it was kind of like, you know. That, everybody growls at, yep, at 98... Yeah, that's when the beginning of the end started. So let's wrap up the decade in film in 99. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. <sighs> with the bulbous head little kid. <sighs> oh, and I feel bad for him because apparently his life was basically ruined by being in that movie. Oh, guaranteed. Like, you know, guaranteed, you know, but... um, Like six, but yeah, that was... I don't know. I mean... Uh, whatever. It is what it is. My thoughts on Star Wars are that are are known and what they are. Well, that's. I'm not surprised that it was number one. No, I'm not either. The sheer, the sheer hype, and honestly, there. Even though there's other movies that were more enjoyable, they're never going to compete with a Star Wars movie. No, you just not. It that franchise has such deep roots. Yeah. That it's not going to be beaten by anything. 
So at number two on the box office, you had Six Sense. Great movie, but, you know, again, not going to compete. Great movie, and but... right before M. Night Shyamalan started to go off the deep end. Yeah. Uh, at number eight, you had The Mummy, the Brendan Fraser ones, which were really fun. You know what, they the were first... entertaining, and I've made the different the distinction, rather, between f- good and entertaining many a time. Exactly, and they really were. They were just a really fun, the first couple, you know, fun romp before, again, they sort of went off the deep end. Yeah. Uh, you also had The Matrix. You know... Uh, I gotta say, when it came out, it was cool. Mm. And then the sequels came out, and it started to become pandering. Oh, yeah. Don't watch any of the sequels. Just the first one. Pretend that's the only one that exists. Because Keanu Reeves knows Kung Fu. Well, exactly. Uh, Fight Club, which I didn't enjoy, but, you know... I mean, it was a a good movie. It was based off of, you know, a book, and... Yeah. But, you know, it's become a cult classic, so, you know, again... It has been, so take that for what it is, because, I mean... It's it's a good movie, it's just not a, a good movie that I enjoyed. And then one that we both enjoy. Uh-oh. Any Given Sunday. Oh, Any Given Sunday. That was... Football! Yeah, what a, I mean, seriously, that was a great movie. I like that one, and if anybody doesn't know, it's Al Pacino. Al Pacino is a football an... coach, that's all you need to know. Yeah. As sort of an old, out-of-touch, flailing football coach trying to, you know, recapture the glory days. Yeah. And they bring you in know, a lot like, of football talent, a lot of big-name acting talent. Yep, Jamie Foxx playing an, an up-and-coming quarterback. Yeah. And, uh, LL Cool J. Yeah, LL Cool J. Um, James Woods. James Woods a- as James Woods. Yeah, playing a real asshole. Just what was his position in the movie? He was the the, uh, the team doctor, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he was the team doctor. <laughs> oh, just a fun movie. Some other, you know, other big name actors there too. Really worth a watch. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of actually for football fans, a lot of cameos by some big name football players. Yeah, like, who was in that? Uh, well, I know I sent you a couple pictures. Uh, Bob St. Clair was one of the opposing coaches. Mm. Uh, Y.A. Tittle was one of the opposing coaches. Dick Butkus, Warren Moon, I yes. think. Yes. Uh, Jim Brown plays the assistant coach under Al Pacino. And the fact that they basically just borrowed a bunch of, I think it was Falcons uniforms and uh, Bills uniforms. Yeah, basically, so. and just changed the emblem. Yep. And when you watch the movie, you'll know, so... Exactly. That was the box office, and weirdly, not much of that translated into the nominations. Oh. Nominated in 99, you had the Cider House Rules, which I watched and I thought was just kind of boring. Hmm. The Green Mile. Great movie. Which, again, another one of those rare Stephen King works that translates well onto the big screen. Yeah. Uh, The Insider, never seen. No. Never saw, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, the Sixth Sense, which we talked about. I did see it. I did enjoy it. Yep. And actually, I didn't pick up on it until right at the end, the credits were rolling and somebody stands up in the theater and just screams, you know he was dead the whole time. Yeah. And people are like, how did you know that? He's like, he was wearing the same shirt. And it's like, oh my God. Ha. Nice. But anyway, the winner of that, and... uh Kind of a blight on that now. Mm. Now, American yeah, Beauty. Just, frankly, it was a it was a weird movie when it came out. Yeah, very weird movie. 
you know, yes, yeah, not so good now that yeah, uh, that, they, that's a big black eye on the academy. Not like they haven't had thousands of them before. Well, uh, undeserved. Out of any of those, I would have picked the Green Mile. Um, or honestly, the Sixth Sense because it was really well done. Either or, I just think the Green Mile a little bit better acting. No slight. Uh, Bruce Willis was, you know, really good in a much more quiet role, and Haley Joel Osment obviously really, really good. But I mean, Michael Clark Duncan. I mean, Michael Clark Duncan. Uh, Tom Hanks. And then uh, the the really obsequious little guy, Doug. I can never remember his last name. Oh but... yeah, I know. Yeah, I blanked on him. He played Percy. Yes. The guard. The uh, the sadistic guard yes really really good he's always played really creepy guys yeah but plus you he... had james cromwell who i love yep exactly uh, like Harry i just Dean think stanton you know there's just way more sort of you know what they call the sort of tour de force acting right like everybody was just bringing it oh yeah everybody showed up on set and they brought it and like i say great movie i would i mean i'm shocked it didn't win but not really shocked it didn't win because it was stephen king well, yeah, and just because, you know, Hollywood likes kind of weird movies like American Beauty. Yeah. Mm. All right, on to music. You want to do music or do you want to do TV? Uh, let's do music just because we can go through it, you know, pretty fast. Yeah, so basically for music, what we did was we just went through the Billboard Top 100 and got what ended up as the number one single for, for the year. And some of these, it's like, it's it, some of these are going to start making some people feel old. Because so, what's that? Some of them look really good even today. Some of them you go, Ugh, and this is why people didn't like the nineties. Exactly, and we'll get into that come around nineteen ninety six. Uh, starting in ninety was "Hold On" by Wilson Phillips. It's a cute. A pop song, I yeah, guess. I guess. You know? And that's kind of what it was. It was basically early 90s pop. Yep. 1991, Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. Great, the greatest song ever made. <laughs> if you say so. All right, 92, End of the Road by Boys to Men. And honestly, back in the 90s, Boys to Men was one of the top groups. Yeah, I mean, it was a great song, great band. Yeah. 93, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Just what a what a talent she was. Yep. I mean, and, my God, know, the raw talent that woman had. Exactly. And, and the what are you vocal say range that no other human being on Earth could ever have. Exactly, you know. So that was a great song, still is today. All right, 94, now is when some of the, uh, <laughs> some of the 30-somethings are going to start feeling a little itchy was The Sign by Ace of Base. Which always just... I never got, because I liked Ace of Base, but I hated that song. I did not understand why that song I did not. Seemed... I did not like either Ace of Base, nor did I like The Sign. They had better songs that got no attention, but people just would not shut up about this terrible song. Oh, and it was a, a song. <laughs> but it's sort of one of the ones where now... It doesn't, Ace of Base doesn't really hold up. The, the sort of quality just isn't there. The Like, the beat is very bad. Yeah. It sounds very, very dated. It, it definitely does. All right, 95, classic hip-hop. 
Go for it. Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio. And he always did say the one thing he regretted was the Weird Al incident. I heard they made up. They did, because what had happened was... I, I think somebody was feeding Coolio incorrect information... Yeah, people were feeding incorrect information to both of them. From what I read, Weird Al, he was told he had permission to to make the parody, and he made Amish Paradise. It turns out that Coolio hadn't actually sort of said it, and so he was a little bit sort of... Yeah, but then later on, once they realized everything that had happened, they did make amends. Yeah. I think that's one thing we should say. The 90s was dominated, regardless of the top single, by Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. Who... I mean, in addition to being an incredible songwriter, is a very talented musician. Yeah, he definitely was, and he parodied everything. And that, and, and, and it was in the '90s that it really became like a badge of honor to get your song parodied by Weird Al. It means you you had made it. Exactly. You know, in the music <laughs> industry. But then, uh, uh-huh. then '96 came along, and uh, Weird Al wasn't needed to make a parody out of this song. It was the damn Macarena. Ah, uh, Los Del Rio. <sighs> oh my goodness, I remember we had Macarena Day at my school. Oh my god, was... Macarena was were everywhere. Macarena Day, Macarena this, Macarena that. It was oh, in the commercials. God, yeah. My god. Yep, that song would not go away. And it Thankfully was not... it did, but Jesus. <laughs> that again, I think honestly, like Macarena almost encapsulates the decade. Like that one song really did so much damage. Oh my god. It was just so sort of earworm and yet annoying. And the, the That's sort what of it is. It was so annoying, but at the same time, you couldn't stop listening to it. You know, and and so now, like, everybody knows Macarena 90s. So you can have Saving Private Ryan. You can have, you know, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. All gets wiped out by Macarena. Yeah, exactly. It's basically partially, probably a good portion responsible for the 90s kind of being a forgotten decade. Yeah, or people just being like, yeah, it's the terrible Macarena decade. Yeah, because that's all that happened. And, you know, especially with the uh, the internet kind of coming into its own around that time, everybody was taking to the airwaves about the Macarena. Exactly. All right, 97. 97, I think it was, uh, it was an Elton John song, Something About the Way You Look Tonight. Which is good. I don't know that particular song, but I do like Elton John. There's ones that were obviously better, but again, in the 90s, Elton John was king. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, he's incredibly talented, number one. Yeah, but that was sort of, again, it felt like... That was his decade. Yeah, he was kind of everywhere. He was on, like, all the talk shows. He was everywhere because of his friendship with Princess Diana. Well, that and because didn't he kind of get partnered in with Disney to start doing music for the movies? Yep, because he was, uh, you know, the Lion King. I was going to say, the Lion King, and, that, and with that being so high up in the Oscars, mm-hmm. you know, that put Elton John back on the Well, I wouldn't even say back on the map, further up on the map. Exactly. So, yep, he was, he was king. All right, what do you got for 98? Too Close by Next. Next, from what I remember, was one of these absolutely forgettable copycat boy bands. <laughs> I, I think, think they might have I been think it was British. a parody off of, okay, here's a song, what's next? Yeah, pretty much. Just, you know, the 90s were full of them. There was They they were always trying to repeat the, the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and never really could. Yeah, everybody was manufactured and auto-tuned and it just flopped miserably. Yep. And to close out the decade of music, 
was Believe by Cher. That one, I I liked it at the time. You know, I didn't actually know very much about Cher because obviously, you know, she had sort of existed in the 70s. And yeah, then... the TV show, Sonny and Cher, yeah, blah, Sonny blah, blah. But then she kind of, she had moved into acting by that time. She'd done a couple of movies, mm-hmm. you know, in the 80s. Um, was she yeah. in Mask? The In Mask? Yeah, she was the She's mom. The mom in Mask, and I think something else. Uh, moonlight. Moonlighting. It that's it. I was like, I see the the box art in my head, and it's her against a moon. But I was like, is it moonlighting? Moonlight, I believe. So. Yeah, but whatever. yes, whatever. You know. But and then she just sort of popped up with this incredibly sort of dance. Yeah, you and know? then it was like literally out of nowhere. It's like, hey, shares back. And actually, a lot of her songs on that album were really good. I actually bought the CD, and it. She had a lot more, I think, good hits on that one than just that one. I don't know. I was never actually a big Cher fan. And then she kind of disappeared again in music. Yeah. Eh, it is what it is. Exactly. Right. But it was a good song. Yeah, obviously, it won the uh, the biggest hit of the, of the year to close out in the 90s. Mm, all right. So let's move on and wrap this first part of the 90s up with some TV. And interestingly... There's a lot of shows on there that are still very relevant today. Yeah, it was sort of fascinating to see how far back some of these went and franchises that uh, some of them have been revived or some of them really just never went away. Yeah, so, I mean, let's just kick off in 90. You had Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which underneath the comedy was a very heartwarming and lesson-giving show. It definitely was. And it know. really made a lot of people in the world wish they had an Uncle Phil. Oh, yeah. You know, James Avery, rest in peace. You know, if you ever watch any of the behind-the-scenes stuff, no one in the cast had anything bad to say about him. Exactly. He was like the American John Candy. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, he was. He was beloved by everybody. Well, exactly. All right, you also had uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Was that originally on Nickelodeon? Uh, possibly. I mean, up here in Canada, it was on YTV. Oh, okay. I think in America it was Nickelodeon, but yeah, that was a good one. Um, 90 was a hell of a year for TV. Twin Peaks, the original series by David Lynch. Yeah. Which, uh, if you've never seen, is good. I have not, but I know you really like it. I really enjoy it. I definitely think it's worth a watch. It's only, I think, 27 episodes for the two seasons. Hmm. Hmm. But... Really, really good. Really, if you want the good definition of what David Lynch is. Ah, watch Twin Peaks. Ah, watch Twin Peaks or Inland Empire, one of his movies. But Twin Peaks was a great show. And then here's a show that was everywhere, yet I never watched it. Beverly Hills 90210. I never did either. I know I knew some girls who did, and you know it was sort of the early teen drama. Yeah, exactly what it was—the early teen high school drama. But I just never, never got watched. into it. Yep, and then uh, Law and Order. Yeah, which is amazing that that show came on that long ago. <laughs> yep. Now, and I know what some people are thinking: like, well, you missed something. No, we didn't. The Simpsons technically premiered in 1989. Exactly. So, just so we yeah. don't get somebody, slow your roll. So, let's go up to 91. And this is actually kind of topical because there's a reboot of sorts. For Home Improvement? For Home Improvement. Did you see it? The History Channel, a couple weeks ago, 
they started doing a show that's basically the Tool Time episodes within Home Improvement. Oh. And they got Tim Allen and Richard Karn to do nice. it. It's called Assembly Required, and I think it's a building competition show. Oh, that could be cute. I liked Home Improvement. Yeah. It was sort of one of the shows. Again, it was sort of, you know, it was a, kind of a sitcom, but it was sort of heartwarming. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, Darkwing Duck, classic. Darkwing Duck, classic. Let's get dangerous, everybody, and suck gas, and, evildoers. Exactly. And then a show that I can only basically sum up as America. Yeah, as America, hosted by the former mayor of Cincinnati, Ohio, <laughs> the Jerry Springer Show. America. That kicked off a lot of things. Oh, uh, it was it was a show, wasn't it? Well, exactly. And and like I say, this is the stuff that you're going to start to see really... Now there's a reason that all this stuff exists. Well, again, and you, I feel like it's sort of... You have these massive swings and roundabouts where it's like... Fresh Prince, great show. Jerry Springer, not great show. Not great show, but popular show. Oh, yeah, it was super popular, but it was sort of... I mean, that you could probably put up there as the start of what everybody would say would be stupid reality Yes, show. that was the, pretty much the birth of it. You know, so it goes back a lot further than most people would probably think. Yeah, and like I said, the 90s was a pioneer generation for a lot of the births and the, or the genesis of some pretty popular TV. Let's go to 92. We talked about earlier mm -hmm. the Batman animated series. Yep. And in my opinion, as well as the opinion shared by a lot of other people, the cartoon that saved a franchise, the X-Men animated series. Yes. One of the greatest comic cartoons and possibly cartoons ever. Yep. And it got an entire new generation of kids reinterested in Marvel Comics. Yeah, it really did. And then also you had AbFab, absolutely fabulous, which... Hilarious. Hilarious. Yes, if you haven't seen it, British, sort of peak British comedy, absolutely amazing. But I will give a word of caution. They did make a movie a few years ago. Do not watch the movie. No, I because, heard it was terrible. Well, because the humor was exactly the same as they were doing in 92, but the problem is it wasn't edgy anymore. No, and, uh, you know, Maybe. yeah, sort of sensibilities had moved on. And then here's one that I did not realize was as old as it was. Sailor Moon? Yes, I think it's, again, older than a lot of people think. Well, apparently it's going to be 30 years old next year. God, everybody I knew was so into that. Yeah. All right, 93, we have another birth. I would say kind of the birth of maybe the, anth kind of an anth anthology show. X-Files? The X-Files, yeah. Oh, God, the first few seasons were so good. But yeah, it was one through five and then the movie, because the movie wrapped everything up nice, and he was going to go on and do Millennium. Yep. But then he decided, oh, I'm going to come back and make four more seasons of X-Files, another movie, then two more seasons of it being a parody of itself. Basically, yeah. It yeah. really shows. But, man, the first is like couple of seasons. Oh. oh, my God, they were great. And still, honestly, they still hold up. Like, oh yeah, like the um, the one with the the people living under the floor. That's still terrifying. Yeah, a lot of them are still quite spooky. I sometimes throw it on at night and then regret it. Yeah. Uh, what else? We had Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, Beavis and Butthead. Head. For 
back, and this was back when MTV was still predominantly playing music. Yeah, and they would put some of the more... And yeah, they would splice in would... clips and have Beavis and Butthead reacting to the music video. So they were getting music video views and running the cartoon, and then they only had to animate half a cartoon show, basically. Yep. But, mind you, um, Beavis and Butthead later basically birthed two spinoff shows. South Park and... No! No, no, Daria. Oh God, yeah. Don't forget, Daria started in Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill. Ah, yep. Because his their neighbor was Mister Anderson, and they basically Mike Judge kind of based Hank Hill off of him. But uh, Mighty that? Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, the Power Rangers! And you know what? It was different. Granted, we know how they did it now. We just didn't know at the time that they were just splicing in stuff from an actual Japanese show. Didn't matter. Made it cool to punch things. Exactly. Made it cool to punch things. But only <laughs> for good lessons or whatever the hell they exactly. said. Exactly. And then Speaking the classic... of punching things, Walker, Texas Rangers started in 93. Yeah, I was going to say, yes. Um, I mean, <laughs> that was a cool show. Chuck Norris at his, at his best, I think. Yeah, pretty much. He... Don't think he's had nearly as much success since. No. Um, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Yeah, Bill Nye the Science Guy. I think picking up the mantle for one of your countrymen, uh, the original Mr. Wizard. Yes. And I remember watching Mr. Wizard on Nickelodeon when I was a kid. Mm, I remember all the Bill Nye stuff. Yeah, and then Bill Nye kind of came in and picked up the mantle of making science fun and educational. Exactly. So good on him for that. Yep. And then we had uh, a spinoff, a spinoff of Cheers, Frasier. Which was really good. Yeah, I liked Frasier. And uh, what what else came out? Oh, God, NYPD Blue. Did you ever watch NYPD Blue? I didn't. But I think was it was it... probably one of the one of the first big-time, gritty police procedurals. That's it, you know? So, again, it's sort of a franchise, you know? Yeah. Oh, my All right, God. 94. I mean, uh, now here's a big year for 94. Number one, uh, the, the Channel Turner Classic Movies comes out. Yep. So, I mean, that's a cool channel. They do show a lot of interesting old films. And they do the world's best uh, memorials. Oh, my God, do they ever. The, the uh, Oscar tribute videos remembers. are all done by TCM, and they are heart-wrenching and very good. And the weird, but the weird thing is that TCM does some that I think they do for their own channel, and they're often even better. Yeah, they they do ones for like lesser known people, but mean more to them as as a channel. You know, they tend to be longer too. Like, yeah, the and they're very good. You can find a lot of them on YouTube. Yeah, just YouTube for TCM remembers, and pretty much any of them are just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, they also had Friends launched, the uh, the old classic. Yeah, you know, I never really got into Friends. I watched it here and there, but I, I don't know. I, I guess... didn't watch it at the time. I watched it maybe finally seven or eight years ago. Yeah. And I, rem- I enjoyed it at the time. I don't sort of remember, honestly, that much about it. No, I mean, I, it just wasn't a show kind of thing that I would like, but Babylon 5... Ah, Babylon 5. But I weirdly, know. I didn't... It was kind of like you with Friends. I did not watch it when it came on in ninety in 94. I watched it later on in life. 
I watched it at the time because I was like peaks. The nineties was peak sci-fi. Oh my for, god! Yeah, you know. So for me, Babylon Five, uh, all the Star Treks, Earth Two, oh god, Space Earth Two, and Beyond, like all Stargate. Of well, we're gonna get to Stargate later. Yeah. So I watched Babylon Five at the time. All right. So the Tick, which is you know obviously a lot of people would know the live action reboot that uh, Amazon did, which I thought was pretty good, and then they ended it. Nah. But it actually started off, one, as a comic book, and then two, mm-hmm. transferred into a mid-90s animated cartoon series, which is hilarious. Yeah, really, really good. It, it sort of felt like uh, one of the early cartoons where it was almost meant more for adults, even though they were. I, put I, it I on was it. just thinking that. It was a cartoon designed for adults, but safe enough that kids could watch it. Yeah, it's just that some of the humor, you know, would probably go over kids' heads. Yeah, it, you wasn't, it. it wasn't dirty humor, but it was just above their level. It was sort of semi-political kind of spoof stuff that yeah. where you're as a kid, you're just kind of kind of laugh because hey, there's a guy whose head is shaped like a chair. Exactly, chair-faced Chippendale. Exactly, and then there's Deflator Mouse. Ah, uh, Deflator Mouse. You know, and stuff like that. Human so board. it's fire me, boy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, ER, it was huge, but I never watched it because I'm not into the medical procedural stuff. I'm not either, but I had to put it on the list because it was just so massive. And again, I feel like and, medical procedurals have become so huge. Oh, yeah, the huge. Plus, wasn't that basically the launching point of George Clooney's career? I think it was, and quite a few other people's as well, you know. But you just wouldn't have stuff like, uh, you know... Uh, house or yeah you um, wouldn't have uh yeah house uh gray's anatomy exactly uh, scrubs ER. really any of them then again you could probably say you wouldn't have er without mash maybe even though you know er was much more serious but any kind of sort of medical yeah true i mean it all kind of stems from that back in the 70s but yeah so i put it on there uh touched by an i'm angel. giving that one to you because i never watched it I did. I don't know why. I guess because we didn't have TV cable, so we had two channels and you watched what was on. Yeah. What you could get with the bunny ears. Right. It was, uh, you know, it's a little hokey at the end, but I remember at the time they did deal with some kind of dark, sort of difficult subject matter. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that's the one thing, and, you know, you were mocking me. You are like, go ahead and criticize it. It's like, I'm not going to criticize it. I've just never seen it. You know, so, like, most people will remember old, maybe remember old Roma Downey there at the end. You know, I'm an angel, but... Yeah, Del Reese. Yeah. From what I remember, and it's, you know, been 20-some years since I've ever, you know, since I've seen an episode, but most of the episodes were played pretty straight, you know, it wasn't until the last maybe five or six minutes that any of the sort of angel Christianity stuff came in. Right. You know, so it's, from what I remember, it's a show that you can kind of enjoy as, as more of a straight drama. Yeah. All right. 95. Well, let's go back to you with Xena. Oh, God. <laughs> go ahead. That... That show meant so much to a lot of girls, sort of sporty girls in the 90s, and I paid so much money for DVD sets. I watched one episode, and they've been in my closet ever since. I was going to say, I remember when you bought those. How'd that work out for you? Oh, my goodness. 
It's Xena is one of those ones where this is why they tell you don't go back and look at some of the stuff that you liked as a kid. Yeah, because it will ruin it. And it really did. Like, I just remember being cool and fun. Why do you think I've never gone back and rewatched any of Hercules, The Legendary Journey? They used to put those back to back. Yeah, I know. That's the only reason I would watch Xena, because it would be on right after Hercules. Yep, you know, and just, yeah, just nothing about it is age well. And even though it was camp, you know, it was obviously intended to be campy at the time, I guess, as, you know, as kind of a kid, you don't notice the camp so much. No, you really don't. Whereas now... at least you don't care as much. Exactly, because it's just sort of fun, whereas now it's almost unwatchable cringe. Yeah, kind of. Which... You know, at least for me, so, yeah. Now, here's one that actually surprised me. Jag? Oh, God, Jag. My grandmother <laughs> loved Jag. I was gonna say, the only people who watched Jag were over 70. It's so weird. Um, I never watched it again. It was like military, police procedural, just not my thing. Jag and MacGyver. Ugh. And Mad TV, though. Yep. Which was... Uh, what would you say, like Saturday Night Live light? Uh, you know, sort of, Just, again, you're sort of looking into the sort of later evening, little politically incorrect spoof, you know, sort of things, little skits. Yeah, because um, In Living Color had done its thing in the 80s. Yeah. And In Living Color was awesome. <laughs> Mad TV wasn't bad. It wasn't, but you I, know. I, and again, here, shocker, Zach doesn't like something. Just... You know, sketch comedy, not my not my bag. No, I didn't watch it at the time. But there it is, uh, the History Channel launched, and it actually Yeah, was... back in the days when it would actually show history and not aliens and storage lockers. Exactly. Now, this one I'd never heard of. The show Rocks Moves to the Internet and Becoming the First Ever Web Series. I have nothing on that. I have no recollection. I'm not sure what it was, but it was sort of fascinating because, again, if you told somebody that the first web series sort of TV show was launched in 95, they probably wouldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't have probably believed it. I'd be like, no way. You know, in 95, I think we were still using, like, 14.4 dial-up. Yeah, exactly. It took 10 minutes to open an email. How could they put a TV (laughs) show on the internet? (sighs) For very patient people. Apparently. (laughs) We didn't mind waiting 12 hours to watch what was probably like a 10-minute clip. Yeah. But there it is, yeah, the first web series. It's in 1995, which is just weird to me. But let's go on. So now we're entering the back half of the year, and stuff starts to get a little different. Yes. 96, uh, Third Rock from the Sun, which I never actually watched. I know of it. Yeah, that was the same for me, and it- uh, didn't watch it, but I heard it was all right. It seemed to have a real following at yeah, the time. Yeah, it did. I just never never watched it. Spin City, same way. Uh, I liked Spin City. It wasn't bad. And then, But there's a big one. This might surprise people. The Daily Show. Yep. And I think that was probably one of the first uh, kind of political, talky-type shows like that that came out. Yeah, it definitely was. Then you had old Judge Judy. Speaking of which, uh, the one that revolutionized the 
courtroom. The courtroom, because now, you know, because that, I mean, it all came from the people's court back in the day. Yes. But then it, you got, it, you know, it spawned off things like Judge Mills Lane. Yes. Uh, I saw it on Amazon. There's Gary Busey, Pet Judge. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Judge Jerry Springer. So basically, Judge Judy was the one that really kind of kicked off all those take them to fake TV court shows. Yep. Isn't she still going? She is still going. Speaking of still going, Fox News was launched in 96. Right, everybody now. No! Yeah, but actually, to kind of wrap up 96, though, Everybody Loves Raymond, which I really enjoyed. I was going to say, you liked that one. I didn't watch it. I like that show. Uh, Brad Garrett is hilarious. Peter Boyle is hilarious. Yeah. And it was just a good show. Mm. But then 97, now we have really the one that kind of broke the mold for cartoons in South Park come out. I didn't watch it at the time. I don't know why. I just found it a little bit. I guess because I'd sort of grown up by that point watching The Simpsons, and to me, it just felt a little too sort of tr- what I would have called try hard at the time. Yeah. See, ironically, I watched South Park at the beginning up until maybe the fourth season, and then it's like, eh. It's starting so- to get to the point where you might be lucky to get two or three good episodes out of a season. Yeah, it just sort of felt like The Simpsons, you know, back in those days sort of had kind of good messages in the end, right? Most episodes ended with, you know, Homer learning some lesson. Yeah, or, some lesson or whatever. And Whereas South Park just sort of, I just remember it's sort of like, oh, it's just a bunch of kids being rude and swearing a lot. Yeah, exactly. And basically, but they have, you have to give them credit, they have been at the forefront of a lot of stuff. They definitely were. It just wasn't my thing, so I didn't watch. Yeah, and then after basically the fourth season, I quit. I really kind of quit watching it, except for the occasional episodes here and there when I hear they're really funny. <laughs> but they are still going, and they yep. you know, and they're a big franchise. Yeah. Speaking of big Our... franchises, Stargate SG One. Stargate SG One. I mean, you talk about a f- big show. I love the movie, but. Somehow I just didn't watch the TV show. Really? I loved the TV show. No, I don't I liked know why. All, I liked all of them. SG-1, Atlantis. Mm. I liked them all. No, I heard they're really good. And, it, you know, in the 90s they had this thing where actors would kind of cycle through a lot of these yeah. uh, sci-fi shows. So, like, half of the cast of uh, Farscape ended up on Stargate. Yep. Farscape. You know? I, I liked that show, too. Yeah, exactly, you know. Uh, then you had Buffy. Which I didn't watch at the time. I know a ton of people I know up here did, but I never watched it until recently. A little bit here and there. I wasn't into it nearly as much as my friends were. Yeah, like, I liked the movie. Yeah, that one with the old Christy Swanson. Christy Swanson, and who was the guy? Was it Luke Perry? Yes, and, uh... God, I'm just, uh, Rudger Hauer. Oh yeah, Rudger Hauer, but, you know, and then, but then I started watching it later on, I'm like, it's a pretty good show. It was, it was, a, you know, uh, Joss Whedon is going through a little bit of a 
he's going through thing, a little bit of the uh the tough time right now and you know yeah so there's sort of that aspect but if you can kind of remove his involvement and just yeah, look it at was, it from, it was a good show yeah it was sort of it was a good show that because it's it was designed for teens but it was sort of felt like it was one of the first ones that wasn't sort of patronizing yeah and it was one of those ones where it seemed kind of girly but you know dudes loved it yeah, there were things that I think you could enjoy even if you were a guy. You yeah, know? and I i mean, there were. There was, like, cool monsters, a lot of cool things. And then you had King of the Hill. Right, one of the Beavis and Butthead spawns. Or spin-offs, propane, I should say. Propane accessories. Yeah. Which, to me, I don't know why... It, I'll bet you there's a portion of the people that don't understand why that's really funny in and of itself. Probably. The fact that he lives in this fictional town in Texas... Mm. barbecue country selling propane yep i mean to me that is really funny and it it, it was just a, a, a really funny show and i still watch it when i catch it on tv yep well <laughs> ladybird yeah ladybird all right moving on out of that before we get copywritten yeah i loved how they drew that dog that dog always just looked so Melting. depressed yeah. Well, yeah. All right. So 98, which I actually, yeah. I would have said 2000s for this one. That 70s show came out in 98. I only knew it was in the 90s because I did watch a little bit of it here and there. I, I honestly would have said 2000 it came out. So I'm guilty yeah. of it too. It was a sort of entertaining show, but it sort Red of ended Foreman up. Foreman was the greatest character ever. Oh, yeah, they were hilarious, but it kind of unfortunately ended up in that thing where it kind of painted itself into a corner, right? Like, you can only. Exactly, and then it it spun off that 80s show, which lasted maybe a season. Well, yeah, because anytime you have a show where it's sort of about following young people, it's sort of like, well, you can only have them be in relationships with, you know, swapping around with each other for so long, and then somebody else. You know, getting married and having a baby, and then that's the end of it, because being a parent is intensely boring. Exactly. So. But they got a good run out of it, and I, I'm sure it touched the hearts of a lot of people from the Midwest. And now, you know, as a kid, you identify with, you know, the, the young people, and then, you know, now it's like, huh, Red Foreman knew a lot. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I wish I did have 2,000 feet so I could stick 500 up each of their asses. Exactly. Red Foreman is a meme and will always be a meme. Exactly. Now, this one, I saw it in your notes, and I am shocked that in 1998, Bob the Builder came out. Bob the Builder! Like, (laughs) that really was 1998? Yeah, it started, I think, a bit before most people would have guessed. Yeah, I I mean, I definitely wouldn't have guessed. Yes, I can. Yeah, can we fix it? Yes, we can. And who who wants to be a millionaire? No, God, that's, you know, Jerry Springer and Judge Judy and stuff may have sort of been early reality shows, but that one was like the first reality, you know, whatever quiz show. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of was in the the big budget era because they kind of had them back in the the 70s a little. Yeah, but that one just exploded yeah i mean with the 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 lights and the fog and the lifeline and the phone a friend and you know 
things that have kind of become memes now. Yeah, exactly. But back then, who had ever heard of, hey, you can call a friend and ask them for help while you're on a quiz show? Exactly. Like, dude, that would be great. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And a broadcast thing called Kingston Communications launched the first video on demand service. I have no clue. Which one was it? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't know. I think it was just their own personal one. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. But there you go. That was the first on-demand video, which is now pretty commonplace. Yep, so that Like, if a network doesn't have on-demand video nowadays, they're looked at like dinosaurs. Basically, yes. And 99, (laughs) to close out the year and to make a good tie-in for next time. But first off, the debut of Family Guy the first time. I was going to say, I see two shows you really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Family Guy, and on the flip side, I really loved Futurama. I didn't actually watch Family Guy, and I didn't really even know what it was. I'd sort of gone completely away from TV at that point, so I only knew about it, you know, a few years later, when you would talk about it, oh, we're, you know, I'm going to go watch Family Guy. Yeah, Family Guy and Futurama, which I think is underrated and... If anybody ever tries to describe it to you as the Simpsons in outer space, they're wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that that's all I'm going to say. But it it was done by the same guy, so it has a very Simpsons-y feel. Yeah. But it's really funny. Nah. Uh, you had the birth of SpongeBob. I was going to say, let's stick with the cartoons. You had Family Guy, Futurama, and SpongeBob. Two of those franchises still going to this day. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. You know, and the guy, you know, and Matt Groening is still putting out, you know, cartoons. Yep. But uh, let's you had go- the Sopranos, which I never watched. I, I didn't either. Did. I'm not gonna lie, because I didn't have HBO. I didn't either, and I don't know. Like, I feel so mixed because it seemed to get a lot of really good reviews. From what I've seen, the acting is good, and you know me, I like the sort of mafia thing, but. I don't know. I guess it's the modern setting for me. It, it it doesn't quite work. Yeah, and I think the finale really pissed off a lot of people. Well, there definitely was that, and I heard about it, but just, I don't know. You know, Goodfellas was, was fine, but it was a movie, so it was sort of two hours and you were done with it. I'm not sure I want to invest, you know, tens of hours into Sopranos. Yeah, and honestly, like, I like James, I like James Gandolfini. Yeah. I was a big fan of him. I liked Edie Falco. Yeah, I just, so I don't know what. I just never, even when I got to college and, you know, somebody sprung for HBO, I, we never really watched it. You know what we did watch, weirdly, was Six Feet Under. I've heard that one was good. Yeah. And then finally you had Angel, the Buffy spinoff. Which I liked as well. I have them all on DVD. Yeah, that one was interesting as well. But here we go, folks. I told you about a bridge to the next episode. Well, the next yes. part of this, the first ever DVR, yes, goes on sale in 1999. Mm-hmm. Right at the turn of the millennium. And now, you know, you look at it nowadays. You know, the Nielsen ratings have actually been adapted to count DVR. <laughs> you know, how many times the show's been DVR'd and not watched live, or this and that, and. Now, weirdly, it kind of looks like DVR is on its way out. Yeah, no. Any kind of sort of solid media, kind of that sort of thing. Yeah, but 
I don't know, but for, so for all of you who say the '90s was nothing but terrible, we had our share. We definitely did. Macarena, Shakespeare, Macarena, and Love. Uh, many other things. Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer. Uh, Macarena. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of things were born we from the foundation. What's that? We also had Bob the Builder, so that made it all right. Exactly. Yes, we can. But next time, yes, we can, and yes, we will, we're going to talk some toys, and we're going to talk some tech to go, you know, because the 90s really was the start of the tech boom, I would think. Oh, yeah. So we're going to go a little more in-depth into that one. So until then, what are your parting 90s closing thoughts? Survive Y2K. Oh, God. We'll talk about that one next time, kids, if you're not familiar with what Y2K was. So until then, for the carnival, I'm Zach. I'm Rye. Take it sleazy, everybody.